It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I... uh... I look over at my dad and I I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to the Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. First, I'd say good afternoon. Um, Congratulations to my brother, Dow for this great honor that we get this year. Uh, I'm very excited. It means a great deal to me because... It's the highest honor you can get from a team. And I know for myself, where my journey went, um, even joining the Yankees, I always considered myself a Met. I always wanted to retire as a Met. And now I get the opportunity, and I can't thank Steve and Alex and the board enough for giving me this great honor that I can share with my teammates, the fans, and my family. So I'm definitely looking forward to this day. And it's the greatest honor that I can achieve in my baseball career. So thank you guys, and I want to thank everybody that played a part of this. All right, there we go. Thank you, Doc. Uh, first, I want to sure. say congratulations to Doc and myself. Uh, I want to say thank you to the New York Mets organization. Thank you to the new ownership, Steve and Alex, and all that they're doing uh, with the organization and recognizing, you know, the past players of the history and what they achieved uh, for this organization. Uh, we had opportunity to be young players and come up uh, through the farm system and develop through there and, and become the kind of players we were to be able to play in a city uh, that is very tough to play in. Um, and I just want to say I'm, I, I'm so glad we had opportunity to play in New York City and in the National League at Shea Stadium. I wouldn't trade it in for anything. I wouldn't trade my career. I wouldn't trade my mistakes. I wouldn't trade it in for anything. It all was a learning lesson in life. And to be at this place today and to be able to have this honor where your number is going to be retired and that's forever, it's bigger than just going into the Hall of Fame. Um, you, you played for a franchise uh, that has not had a lot of homegrown young players um, come through the organization uh, and, and be able to achieve such great things. You know, I think the you know, the greatest player that ever achieved that coming through the organization was Tom Seaver, um, more than anybody that I, that I could see than me and Doc, because we are from the organization, from the bottom all the way up to the top. So I want to thank everyone. I want to thank the sports writers. I want to thank the fans. Uh, I just want to thank the, the blue and orange is, is history. Uh, wearing that is, is real. Um, my heart and soul bleed blue and orange. I always have, always will. And... You know, with the like I said, with the new ownership uh, bringing back the real history of what Met baseball is all about, it's a really positive step in the right direction. So I'm grateful. I know Doc is grateful. It's a it's a great honor. It's, I, I, I'm I'm thanks Steve and like Alex has said uh, for this blessing. Uh, not only do you bless me, but you bless my wife, my kids, my grandkids, and so I'm looking forward to what this day will mean to all of us. It will be a very special day. 
uh, for Dr. and it will be a very special day for Daryl Strawberry, number 1618. We love you guys. Very well said. Thank you very much. At this time, we'd like to open it up for questions. If you use the raise your hand feature at the bottom of the tab, um, we'll compile some questions and, and uh, begin. Our first question comes from Bill Ladson. Congratulations, uh, Doc and Daryl. Uh, I have one uh, question for each of you. Daryl, why were you able to uh, succeed, to be successful in New York, considering how young you were and uh, you really thrived in New York? Uh, well, I truly think it was because of the fan base. Uh, I think when you put a uniform on, it's not, not always just about you. It's about your fans and it's about your team. And I think the players that I had an opportunity to play with uh, were phenomenal players. So it made it a lot easier for me to go out there and perform and do my job. But I think the most important uh, thing that I can really say, it was because of everybody that helped me along the way, from Chuck Hiller to Gene Dusan, Davey Johnson. You, when you think about going through the organization, it's not just about you, Bill Robinson, Jim Fry. Uh, I had people that had a great impact on me to help me get to that next level. Bill Robinson really helped me. Um, Jim Fry helped me get started in my rookie season and reminded me what it was going to take to be a great Major League Baseball player. But Bill Robinson took me to the next level uh, as an offensive player and a player to dominate the ball game. And he taught me how to do that. And, and once I learned how to do that and learned that it's not always about just hitting home runs, it's about doing all the little things, I think that's what elevated me to such a higher level to play with the intensity level that I learned how to play with in New York. Dwight, uh, 40 years ago this April, you made your Major League debut. And uh, being so young, you were a teenager. Uh, why were you able to be successful as well? I think for me, a lot of it goes off what Daryl just mentioned. But, you know, I had Daryl there from the media standpoint to talk to me. And from his experiences from 83, in the um, all the excitement that he brought in, the media attention he brought in, the hype and everything. So I kind of fit off of Daryl. He talked to me a lot about expectations dealing with the media as well as Jay Horace. I think that helped a lot um, on the field. I had, you know, Mel Stoudemire, who was a great guy, obviously a great pitching coach, but became a great friend of mine. And a lot of times on the road, he'll come out my room, make sure I was okay, make sure I went home sick, what have you. Just hang out with good guys. And I remember uh, Mike Torres, one guy that sticks out a lot, who um, in 84, he told me, once myself, Ron Darling, Sid Fernandez, these guys start pitching well, they probably release him. You know, Craig Swain, those guys, he said, but while I'm here, I'm going to work with you, and we're going to sit together on the bench. If he's not pitching, if I'm not pitching, we'll go over hitters. He's teaching me about reading the hitters' weaknesses and so on. And on the road also, I would go out to eat with Daryl or I'll go out to eat with um, Mike Torres or sometimes with Jayden. And this, this just made me feel comfortable. And on the field, I just kind of wore my talent and just learned as I went on. The next, the next question comes from Mike Puma. Hi, uh, Daryl and Dwight. I have one question for each. I'll, I'll start with Daryl. Daryl, you, you uh, mentioned the organization not having a lot of homegrown players. I wonder along those lines um, what you think of what Pete Alonzo's done in, in his short time with the Mets and how important do you think it is that um, the two sides work out something where he, he can continue long-term here? Well, I hope it works out well for Pete. You know, he's 
really shown that he's capable of playing in New York and playing under the bright lights and the pressure. Uh, the expectations are going to always be there. You know, once you start putting up big numbers, they're going to always look for more. And can you do it? And he's been productive. Uh, that's part of uh, what baseball is all about in New York. Can you produce in this atmosphere? Can you handle uh, the real pressure uh, and the expectations of this? So uh, you just I just hope that, you know, he reach a point and they reach a point as the organization and come together and keep him there. Let him be the player that he has been. Let him break all the records. You know, records are meant to be broken. You know, that's not that's not important. You know, some guys can sit here and, and don't want players to break their records. I hope players break my record. That means I've done something, and that means you've done something too. And he has done that. He has performed at that level. And so, uh, you just you just hope and pray that they work it out. You, you that you go on into a free agent year and you have a big year you're going to demand more you know then you you leave a guy open like that i mean that's what happened to me i mean i think the relationship with him and the organization is probably different but the relationship with the front office i didn't have one when i hit that free agency market when i was in my last season 1990 and you know they left the door open for me and yes i ended up leaving and i just hope Pete doesn't leave because i ended up personally with a belly full of regrets for leaving because there's nothing like playing in New York. There's nothing like the atmosphere. There's nothing like the fans. There's nothing like being booed and, and let fans letting you know when you suck. And that's part of it because it's, it's either going to make you or it's going to break you. And I didn't, I didn't have that thriving in me no more when I left New York. So that was, that was a big challenge for me to, you know, go forward and, and play like I used to play in New York after spending those eight seasons there. And for Doc, I was wondering. How much uh, you've seen uh, Luis Severino, who, who they're bringing in this year, what he uh, did with the Yankees? Oh, and, yeah, what, what what do you think he can be for the Mets? Um, can you start over again? Uh, this throws on me. Can you hear me? I hear you now. Okay, I was at, I was asking about uh, Severino, Luis Severino. How much you you might have seen him pitch with the Yankees, and and what you think he could potentially mean for the Mets rotation. I've seen him pitch a lot, you know, I've been a baseball fan. Um, I live here in New York. Um, I worked a lot of games at Yankee Stadium as well as City Field. I watched him a lot. Um, really had some injuries in his career. And last year, it was up and down. I think the key for him, and just from my own experience, anytime you come back from an injury or anything like that, it's just listening to your body, knowing the difference between soreness and pain. And what I mean by that, not trying to do too much, which is easier said than done, especially when you're with a new team, you're trying to impress. But you got to stay with yourself and listen to your body. And I think if he's healthy, I think he can get back in the picture that he wants. Well, he's still a young guy. The key for him is being healthy and not trying to do too much and stand within himself. Thank you. Next question is from Neil Best. Uh, for both of you, you, you both alluded to the, even though you've both had success elsewhere, including in the Bronx, you both alluded to thinking of yourselves as Mets and kind of that bleeding blue and orange thing. What, why do you think that is? Is it just because, you know, that was where you were in your youth and it kind of made that impression? I mean, wh why do you feel like Mets after all these years? Well, I can say this. When you come up to an organization, you know the organization that you play for. And I think that was so important for me. I'm quite sure it was so important for Doc too. We came through the minor league system through that organization. Um, all the other teams that I played for, they were just teams. You know, the Mets are my team. That's what I grew up under. 
And to be able to come through that system and know, knowing it wasn't easy um, coming through that system and knowing that I had some challenges when I played in Lynchburg when I was thinking about quitting baseball and didn't quit and they asked me to give it another year and I went to Jackson and I went off and had a great year that year in Jackson, Mississippi. That's when I became a baseball player. That's when I realized that uh, I was going to hopefully do something special one day and get to the big leagues. Uh, knowing what the big league team was at the time, and I remember when we came up in 83, it, it was a business to a lot of the other players, but I was a young player, and you know the two guys that I really watched a lot that played and had a lot of fun was Hubie and, and Mookie. You know, those were two guys, that, and wrestling guys were more on their way out. So, and, and then I got to experience that, and I got to walk in there, you know, as a young player and realizing that this was going to be a great place to play, and 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 I needed to challenge myself, and I needed to kick myself in the butt because if you don't, um, like I said before, they're going to let you know it, and the media's going to let you know it too. I mean, I had a lot of run-ins with the media, and trust me, you know, some a lot, a lot of great friends and some not so great, but... You know, I'm glad I had those run-ins because all of it made me better at the end of the day. And the Mets organization as overall has is, is always been my family. It was just different um, after I was done there because of the old ownership. But, you know, now, you know, being back around, it's pretty exciting to see what's happening, see an see organization going a different direction and, and, and building a younger founded foundation again, getting a lot of younger players like me and Doc was coming through the organization. And, and for you, Dwight? I think for me, um, being a Met, I always want to be a Met. You know, I was drafted by the Mets. I started there. The Mets were always great to my family. Um, they treated me well. And I thought that I built a relationship with an organization that cared for me as a person when I had my problems off the field as well. And that meant a lot. And like Joe alluded to, going to other teams, um, like obviously one of the games was great. It was just a different team. Because the team, when you, when you start with a team through organization, you build relationships with the front office, with the players, the coaches, you know, people in front of the stadium, the fans and so on. That becomes special. That's why it was very hard for me um, when I was left to go to the Yankees in the United States. I always wanted to write the ship with the Mets and with the Mets fans. And I was given an opportunity to do that. Um, their fans will always be special to me. They cared about me and believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. They gave me hope to go on. That's something that you don't forget. Same with the players. I have a special relationship with all the players that I play with, not just the age of 16, from the Mets. You just feel a part of something special. And now to have our number of Raptors, that's going to be there forever. Something that um, I want the fans to feel like they're a part of that because they played a big part of my success as well as my teammates. Next question is from Otis Livingston. Hey, congratulations once again, Doc and Daryl. Um, now that we are upon the season uh, coming up, this is the highest honor that you guys can have in your Met career. On those days, what do you hope the fans are thinking as they see your numbers being retired? What feelings are you hoping that they have as they think of you two, one at a time? Okay. <clears throat> well, I hope they have tremendous joy, uh, the memories of what it was like watching us play. Uh, because it was a lot of joy playing there uh, for myself, and I'm quite sure for Doc. And if they can receive that, I know it's probably be a younger generation of fans, a lot of the older generation of fans, I don't know if they're still around or not, 
but I know we brought tremendous excitement, you know, and when I look back and reflect on it and, and I look at my rookie season and, and realize how empty Shea Stadium was, and then after that rookie season, it was never empty. Uh, it was a stadium that was full of fans. And I think the most important thing that I want them to know is we love them. We always have. It never had anything to do with me leaving because of the fans. That was never a question. It was. It had to do with you know front office and dealing with management, and and the fans are always there, you know, su- supporting us, you know, throughout the highs and the lows, you know, because baseball is a game where you're gonna have highs and lows, and we had highs and lows, but we had we had a lot of a lot of highs mm-hmm. playing the Shea Stadium, and and. And it was because of the fans. I mean, I thrived off the fans. I mean, I don't know if other players did, but I thrived off the excitement, the fans. You know, when Doc was pitching, the, the ballpark was on fire. You knew you had to bring it, you know, your A game. All you had to do was score two runs and Doc go shut somebody down. And that's just the way it was back in those days. And all the other guys we played with, uh, like I said, it's, it's, about the, it's about the fans, but it's also about our teammates. Like Doc said, we wouldn't be the players had it not be, been for the guys that's around us. You know, I don't want to make this about, you know, me and, and I, me, because that's not what it's about. It was about the group of us playing together and, and becoming great for the fans in those years of playing. And Doc? Yeah, for me, day, I wanted to look at, I want the fans to look at that the way I'm going to look at it as a celebration. I think obviously to celebrate your career and even Daryl's day, I'm just as proud as Daryl and happy for him as I am for myself because I know we all went through. I mean, we've been brothers from day one to the end. Um, so it's just a special celebration. And I want the fans to feel like that day, they were a big part of that because they played a big part of my success. Um, There's no better feeling. I got two strikes on a batter and the fans are standing up clapping when they first strike out. <laughs> I use that to my advantage. Um, the government's and teammates. Guys in the stadium, you know, the PR, Jay Horace, people that worked in the front office, everybody. I want them to feel a part of that. And I want the fans, like Daryl said, a lot of those guys that are going to be a younger crowd there, I understand. But guys who have been there from day one in 84 when I came up, like I went to 83, I want them to really feel like I'm being there from the bottom of my heart. When they come to the stadium, I want them to feel like they're a part of it, something they can share with their kids and grandkids that, hey, I was there when Doc pitched his first game in 84. I was there when Daryl did his first home run in 83. Like I want them to feel like a part of that, and like they're a part of something. Not just me; it's my number going up there, but they're a part of that. I want them to feel like they're a part of that. I truly, really mean that because they were a part of that. And without the fans and my teammates, and obviously the conversations I've had with Jay and Daryl, who you know off the field stuff, this wouldn't happen. I think everything is timing. I remember in um, not to justify anything or point fingers. I remember in '95, the Mets wanted to cut ties with me. I was hurt, but I was hurt because of. What I had done, I went to write this shit with the fans. And I signed with the Yankees. I got to stay in New York for 96, 97. After the 97 season, I remember having a conversation with Steve Foles trying to come back to the mess. He said, we love you, Doc, but unfortunately, there's no room. So I went to Cleveland, 98, 99. After the 99 season, I called the mess again, talked to Steve Phillips. And again, I'm not pointing fingers or I'm not upset anything. Mm-hmm. Just say, oh, unfortunately, Doc, we have no room. So I'm with Houston, pitched one game in 2000. Uh, got traded to Tampa, pitched eight games, got released. I called the Mets again. I said, I'll go to AAA. I'll do whatever you guys want me to do. I just want to finish my career as a Met. And again, there's no room there for it. I'm somebody with the Yankees. And so now I get to have closing this one last day to thank the fans to go out there. That's all I really want to do, to make that one last appearance 
It won't be Chase State, it'll be City Field, but just in front of the message, let them know how special they really are to me. Congratulations once again, guys. Thank you. Next question is from Ron Blum. Hey, thanks for doing this, uh, guys. For both of you, for Daryl, with the 300-something homers and Dwight nearly 200 wins, do you ever let yourselves wonder how much greater your careers would have been without the off-the-field troubles? Uh, of course. Um, even even hitting 335 home runs, um, but on this day right here now, I'm only counting the 252 home runs that I hit over in Queens in the National League with the Mets. Um, those were the most important days of my career. Uh, they were the highs of the highs in my career. And you just never know what journey your life is going to go on. I mean, you can't predict it. I mean, did, did I predict or did Doc predict that we would have the troubles? No. Uh, were we young? Did we get did we get safeguarded when we were playing in New York at a young age? Probably not. I don't think so. You know, everything was wide open. You know, 21 years old, you know, running into Manhattan. I don't think that was a good idea. I don't think that was a good lifestyle for me. Um, I got kind of corrupted, you know, in that lifestyle. And, you know, I kicked myself for that because I could tell you, you know, I started living a lifestyle that I wasn't raised that way. My mother didn't raise me that way. She raised me a right, the right way. I made some bad decisions. And there's a there's some consequences behind making bad decisions, and I had to pay uh, some major consequences behind my bad choices. So I learned a lot from it as I sit here today, and I'm grateful for it. But at the same time, had I could have stayed on track and 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 followed what Gary Carter and Mookie Wilson was living, I probably would have ended up one heck of a ball player in Queens for the rest of my career. You know, if I were to live the way those guys were living, but I wasn't. I was wide open in the lifestyle, and I opened myself to a lot of things, and um, and I, I paid a major price for it. And Doc, your feelings on that? Yeah, my feelings is, Darius you know, still was a hell of a ball player. Fun to watch, <laughs> and I love you, man. But uh, <laughs> as I say for myself, you know, I used to beat myself up and talk about what could have been, what should have been, based on what was said and the expectation I put on myself after my first career, first two years. But when I look back at it, as a young kid, my only dream was to play Major League Baseball, stay healthy, and try to play a long time. Along the way, I got to accomplish a lot of things, win some real serious titles. And the day that's coming up April 14th, I never could have imagined that. So I'm, I can't beat myself up with that anymore or hold that against myself because I think I'd sell more than I really expected out of myself. And so, yes, obviously, the off-the-field stuff played a part. But... Obviously, by going through that, I'm able to help others in need as well. And like Yarmo said, turning our message messages, and I got that from you. But um, so I'm able to go in different directions with my life because of what happened to get better. But for the baseball thing happened, I'm proud of the things I did. I'm proud of you too, Daryl. The things that I was able to accomplish because I never set out to accomplish things I did, and I think I overachieved what I accomplished to do. And where are you speaking from? It looks like it's all decorated in Mets colors. Me? Well, this is my basement here. Um, my okay. daughters, they did this in my basement. I got all my basement stuff. I don't know if you see the pictures behind me. I got me and Daryl right there. I was at the uh, Shea Goodbye. And then the one over here, I got me, Daryl, and Seaver. You'll see a lot of Daryl in my house. A lot of Daryl in my house. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. Next question is from Bruce Beck. Daryl, Doc, congratulations. Great honor. Um, 
You talked a little bit about dealing with adversity a couple minutes ago here, but what is your message to the young people of today in terms of dealing with their demons and overcoming them and somehow getting through it, Daryl? Oh, thank you, Bruce. Uh, good to see you too. Um, a lot of times you don't know what they are immediately. You know, and I think when athletes put on a uniform, they just know they have on a uniform. Majority of the time, a lot of people are broken on the inside and the uniform just cover up the brokenness of what's going on in a person. And nobody signs up for that. It, it happens in life. Why? I mean, maybe the growing up, the dysfunction of life in, in your household and what you saw. And I never had a male figure in my life until I had all the coaches in my life. And you know, they brought discipline to me. Uh, so you just hope that players will experience a, a, a different road of life, of getting help before it's too late. And just put it like that. You know, me and Doc, we, we, we're both like really humble about life. We, we've been through everything. We understand it. We played at the highest level in in Queens and, and we did everything together and it was a lot of fun. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we were young and we were we well on the inside. A lot of times I look back and like I said, I look at that and I think, man, I was never well. Had I been well, what, I, what, what could I have done? You know, and you just imagine if people can come in and athletes, young athletes can come in and play under that pressure and expectation and be well, get well, get the help that they need. And then it saves them from a lot of headaches. You know, you look at a lot of guys that played in New York that, that was young and well, you know, like G, but he had a great family, you know, and I admired that, you know, because that helped him get through uh, life better with uh, with the expectations and the pressures of plan. When you don't have anybody, it's very challenging for you to make the right decisions. And that's what it was for me. It was very challenging for me. I, making the right decision. I make the right decisions now because I'm a different person, but when I was young, you know, I thought this was going to go on forever. I'm going to be hitting home runs forever, and this is the way it's going to be, but that's not the case. Doc, Doc, you can't change the world, but you can impact lives. So what's your message to young people? Pretty much get over to what Daryl said, and also now just from the things I've learned and been able aside and when I know I needed help, been in now and having someone there, I would say to young people, having someone you can trust that can talk to about anything and not worry about being judged. Um, addiction doesn't discriminate. Um, I think it's all over. The same way as mental health. Mental health is real. I know this last time in 2019, when I had my problems in New Jersey, I had to put my ego aside and put everything that I grew up with where a lot of times in black households, men don't cry, men don't hug, Men don't share the real feelings you deal with it or you have a drink over it. I had to pull that aside and, and really dig deep and find out what's the real issues with me. I remember times literally crying, going to get drugs, crying to go buy alcohol. That's a problem. That's a mental problem. So this last time, instead of going to a rehab, I put myself into a mental hospital and my family looked at me like, you know, you're not crazy. You don't have a problem. Like I say, mental health is real. And I like for the younger generation to understand that there's the problem there. You gotta be honest with yourself. Like Daryl said, we can hide behind the uniform, but eventually it's gonna come out because there are consequences. It's just a matter of being real with yourself and trying to be the best version of yourself that you can be. Thanks for your candor and, and congratulations, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. The next question comes from Tina Servasio. Well, Daryl and Doc, congratulations once again for me, and thank you so much for your time today. And uh, 
for being so open. So for both of you, after April 14th and after June 1st, when Mets fans, when baseball fans walk into City Field and they see your numbers, how do you want them to remember and think of you when those numbers are not being worn anymore on the field, but are recognized? I guess, Daryl, you could, you could start. Well, I think I want them to remember, you know, what it was like when I stepped on the field to play. And I was all about the team, you know, and didn't have to focus and make the focus on me. I wanted to always be a team player, uh, whatever it took to win, uh, how we needed to do it. If we needed to learn how to protect each other and be there for each other. Um, me, you know, me back in those days, I was a complete bulldog. I would fight anybody. It didn't matter to me. So, <laughs> and, and I think the fans love that. You know, they love the fact that, you know, you were that guy. You would you would stand up, and hopefully they remember all the times that I stood up for other players, uh, myself, and and really really enjoyed playing there. I think that's the most important thing. And I think a lot of times you know people say they want to play in New York, but once you start hearing that noise and that pressure, uh, I think a lot of times people don't understand. You cannot listen to it. I mean, the noise was there, but I didn't hear the noise. I learned to block the noise out. And I learned to perform, and I and I think they made me that kind of player. And when you realize that when when I went everywhere else, it was good playing, but it was nothing like me playing in Queens. You know, I was a homegrown player that came up with these expectations, and the fans grew on seeing me and Doc, you know, perform at such a high level at a young age. And I I'm quite sure they thought it would be forever, and I thought it would be forever. And and that road ended, and once that road ended that's when we, I took a different turn. So if, with them coming, you know, the fans coming on, on these particular dates for, for us, I, I hope they enjoy it. I hope they enjoy the history uh, of what we meant to this organization and the heart and soul that we were when we ran out there and we gave our all uh, to try to win. The only thing I regret is losing, losing in 88 to the Dodgers. You know, I regret that. I hate that. That's a big you know, big thing with me, probably with me for the rest of my life uh, of not beating them and, and, and not winning more. Uh, we should have we should have been able to win more um, with the kind of uh, players we had on our team. And, and if we, you know, won the big games when we needed to win them, um, we'd have won more. So those are a lot of things that, you know, I think about when I see this day coming. Yeah, my number's going to be retired, but also these days that we had, you know, as an organization, and, and as a team, um, could we could have conquered more? You know, that's that, that's something I always think about. We could have, could have, should have, would have. I know now, but we, we could have conquered more, and we didn't. So, Dwight, when people see your number now moving forward, what do you want them to think about when they see that number sixteen? Same thing. That it was fun playing in front of the New York crowd. Um, they played a big part. I wasn't really feel like they were, it was a part of that the career that I had, and to enjoy it, and not to sound cocky or anything like that. But also that it ended up with another Doc and Darrow at the same time. The, the numbers that we put up, the, the excitement we brought to the ballpark. I mean, one of the greatest hitters for that period of time, one of the greatest pitchers for that period of time, two young black athletes at that time. But at the same time, it's a celebration of our careers and what it meant to be at Shea Stadium during that era. Um, and, you know, it feels a little weird for me to say, but we basically helped, not by ourselves, we helped change the organization. And the fans played a big part of that. The numbers changed with the people in the seats. And when the fans are there, I want them, I know what my number, I want them to feel like they're a part of 
of them being up there with me as well. I'm out there accepting it and doing a speech, but they're a big part of that. It was no better feeling than being at Shea Stadium, having a home crowd behind you cheering for you. And when I had my downtime, accepting me back when many times they could have turned me back and went the other way, and I understood it. They always were there for me, and that's something that will mean a lot to me, and I hope we're able to enjoy that. Thank you. Thank you to you both. Thank you, Tina. Next question is from Abby Mistraco. Uh, hi guys, Doc, you just touched on this a little bit, but you know, you're saying mental health is, it is healthcare and um, asking for it is not always easy given um, it historically has not been easy in sports climates. How do you vote for both of you? How do you impress on today's athletes that it is okay to ask for help? I think for me, if I can't real quick, Darrell, I think for me, when I talk to major league players or minor players, whatever, they got to look at it as a privilege. I know, like with the salaries now, everybody feels like they deserve it, and you deserve it to agree. But it's a privilege to put a big uniform. It's a privilege to be in the position you're in, and you're obligated. Like people say, well, I'm not role model, but technically that comes with it. And what I mean by that, to be on top of that, like myself, at 17, I'm seeing through my family. So a lot of times I had problems. It was overlooked. Say, oh, you're fine. Just suck it up, or just have a drink over it. But I'm not fine. I wasn't fine. So I hope these days, generation by more people speaking out on mental health, that they're not afraid to go to someone that they trust or that's what I know was really bothering them. So it not only not help them and their family, but it helped the next generation of young people that are looking up to them as well, be able to move on and say it's okay to get help. Yeah, that's, that's really good, Doc, because we, of course, we were mentally crazy at the time, so we needed a lot of help, so <laughs> we could have used every doctor and every psychiatrist. They probably would have ran away from us at the time because we were so we were so young and so focused on what it was like to be on the field and doing what we were doing on the field, and we was not taking care of ourselves, and, and I think that's, you know, that's where the big X come in as what players should do. They should... Um, Take care of themselves first if you feel like you have some mental struggles. Because, you know, like Doc said, playing and putting on the uniform is such a great privilege to do that, you know, to be able to do that. But at the same time, there's a lot of things that are still covered up. You know, we can take it out on the field and, and perform, but you don't deal with the, you know, the real issues that are on the inside of you. And you, you hope that players take advantage of it um, now more than anything because I, I I'm quite sure it's different they probably have every doctor every therapist around to you know help players you know deal with a lot of things personal things and and, and players need it because listen baseball players are nothing but human beings too you know they're gonna fall short they're gonna have struggles and things are gonna happen in their life where's you know where's where's the help most of the time because everybody look at them and say well we just want you to perform because we're paying you well. Yes, you're paying us well. Yes, you're paying, you know, CEOs and, and presidents of companies well, too. And they end up with some of the same deep-rooted issues as an athlete. You know, and I, I think an athlete just, because of his spotlight that shines on him, everybody focus on what is wrong instead of what can be. How can we help him get over and get to the next side? and be well as, as not just as a baseball player, but as a person. And I think that's sometimes a lot was missing back in our days. They were more concerned about our performance than the person that we were. Thank you and congratulations. Thank you. The next question comes from Joseph Massari. 
Hi, gentlemen. Uh, congratulations to both of you. Um, Doc, I think you touched on this a, a little bit, but uh, if you want to expand, feel free. And, and Daryl, I'm very curious because I'm sure during the tough times, not everybody stuck by you. And uh, maybe this day was in doubt in your mind if it would ever come. So I'm curious what these Met fans and this organization means to you on this day uh, and if they served as a beacon to help you get through those times. Yes, I know for me, they definitely did. And I, I came on back to 2018. I got the two DUIs and within a week. Um, at that time, I was basically in the dumps, obviously. Basically, I'd given up on myself. Went through Twitter, one of the games, my family, my close friends. Daryl came by my house as well. That kept me going. You had people loving me more than I loved myself at that time. It helped me get back on my feet. And that means a lot to me. Um, I get a little emotional now talking about that because I know where I was at that time. I know what pain feels like. I know what pain looks like. And I was in the dumps at that time. But to have the fans, you know, Daryl come out of the house, my family, everybody's sticking with me and believing in me. But I didn't believe myself. It meant a lot to me. And that goes bigger than just baseball because you're dealing with a life. And that's one of the things um, on April 14th, I take the field. I have to share that moment with them and thank the fans for that moment because I don't know if I'd be here today if I didn't have the support that I had from the fans. Good answer, Doc. <laughs> yeah, and it is so true, you know, about Met fans. You know, they uh, they have always been there for us, you know, through our hard times. Um, no, no matter what I've been through, what Doc has been through, uh, they have always cared. And that's why we sit here today and, and talking about the numbers being retired is because we always cared about how people saw us. It was important. Um, of course, you struggle when you go through your own personal struggles and you're in the darkness of life. And then you really, truly try to find out who am I? What's the purpose of all this? And what's the meaning of all this? And, you know, as we go on our own journey, everybody goes on their own journey. You have to uh, really be able to find the true happiness about life, not just being a ball player. And I think a lot of times people put that ball player in a box and he can never get out of that box. And and for me, I think the, the, the key was was uh, being able to put myself uh, as a different person. I had to take the uniform off. I had to take the uniform off and realize that I wasn't a baseball player anymore. And I, I needed to go in a different direction and find out about life and, and find about um, who I am and what I can do to make a difference to help so many other people. So once I once I went on that journey, I found great joy and great peace in that. And now I'm able to share with, you know, even the fans, the Met fans and all New York fans, you know, who, who saw Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden uh, shortcomings and, and now they get to see you uh, be an inspiration and inspire people that no matter how far uh, you fall down, no matter how far you fall off the cliff, as long as you don't die, you still got a chance um, to shape your life and change it and become a better you so you can give yourself to somebody else. So I, 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 that's what that's what New York brought to me. New York brought toughness to me, and I think brought toughness to Doc, you know, with our battles and struggles. It, it taught us how not to quit. You know, even when we was on the field performance, but even in life, I took from what I learned playing at Shea Stadium, the crowds and the people, uh, the toughness of going through those days we went through, 
is don't give up, don't quit. And if you don't give up and quit, you got a chance to succeed, just like we did on the field. And and I'm and I'm truly grateful for that opportunity. Thank you both, and congratulations again. Thank you. Next question is from Jerry Beach. Hey guys, um, you obviously have been linked together, uh, Doc and Daryl, Daryl and Doc, almost from day one, and you've had some ups and downs in your relationship. Um, what does it mean to share this honor together in the same season? And does it bring things full circle for you guys as individuals and as your uh, in your relationship? Thank you. I think so without a doubt. I think now when we have our conversations, me and Daryl, you know, real conversations, it's not like when we play over a drink or hang out at a club having conversations. Now they're real conversations about family, about what's most important. And when we had our troubles with each other, I think, I know for myself, I felt bad. I let my guards down before I got the media involved, said some things I shouldn't have. I could have just picked up the phone and called Daryl. We talked man to man. Um, but I learned from that. I think from my standpoint, I think it broke, I know for me, it brought me closer to Daryl, um, trusting Daryl, um, believing in Daryl. And that's the most important thing to me. And the thing that sticks out more than anything is I remember five years ago, my mom was at her deathbed. Um, she didn't have long to live. Daryl drove an hour and a half to my mom's house. And this one, me and Daryl wasn't really talking as much. Spent three, four hours with my mom, prayed with my mom. My mom told me that she had a great conversation with Daryl. He prayed over her. And I mean, I'm not no higher power anything, but I think that gave my mom an extra couple of weeks to live. And that's something that would go with me to my last days, that what Daryl did and he had to do when me and him wasn't really getting along at that time. Another thing that I remember more than anything that means the most to me, and I just learned from the whole thing when we had our problems by letting other people get involved, mutual friends get involved, and friends instead of just me and him talking. And today, one thing we're closer than we've ever been, and I don't have to worry about that anymore because I can pick up the phone and call Daryl and talk about anything, and we can get it straight now. Yeah, that's um, that's really good, Doc. Because you know those are life lessons, you know, that we learn, and and we learn how to deal with them, and we learn how to grow from them, and and, and mature. Um, what people don't understand, me and me and Doc, we're just like two brothers, you know. And sometimes two brothers in the same house, you get into disagreements and arguments and fights. That don't mean you don't love each other. That means you're trying to help each other and want the best for each other. Uh, yeah, we'd be linked together and tied together uh, for, you know, what we did on the field and for our off the field. Like, we didn't, we didn't sign up to be off the field like we were. You know, that was just a part of, you know, the uniform and the identity and and, and thinking, hey, this is just the way life is. And but let's experience it at the at the fullness. And, and, and that's what we did, you know, when we played and everything. So and there were a lot of things in that life that. We shouldn't have never ran into those doors, you know, and, and, and you pay a price for that. I mean, we, you're talking about two young black African, African-American playing in New York stars and everything handed to you. Um, you go to Manhattan, you get everything handed to you. You get free clothes, you get free this. Um, how do you suppose to respond to that when you when you like young, you think this is just the way life is supposed to be. And that's not, you know, that was a, that, that was a real fantasy, real fantasy of life of, uh, of living and playing. Uh, the ball part was, was real, but the fantasy part was, you know, the off the field activities. And I think that's what drew us into all the wrong places. And, 
you know, the animosity wasn't about not loving and caring for Doc. I always have. He's always been a knucklehead, and I've always been a knucklehead. You know that. We just we both know that for each other. You know, <laughs> so I, I, I think you know what we learned out of that was a lot. You don't you don't have to you don't have to put things out there in the public. It's enough public perception anyway. And, you know, I think a lot of times uh, a lot of people didn't want us to be close. They didn't want us to like each other. They wanted us to be at each other. And today we sit here, you know, and we're not at each other. There's great joy and great respect for each other. Um, I've never played behind anybody greater than that man pitching. And, and when I when I say that, I mean that. I've never seen anybody pitch the way he pitched in that 1985 season after his rookie year. And it was just so boring to hit the outfield because he never let anybody get hits or nothing. So we just, but to be able to watch that um, and be on the field to see that, I've never seen, I've never seen anything like it. And probably never will see anything like that with two players of, of that stardom that we had at such a young age to play like that. Uh, in the big spotlight. So I, I'm all I'm forever grateful for Doc. I love him. I love his family. I know his mother. I know his nephew, Sheffield. They're, they're all family to me and they're wonderful people, you know. And so, you know, as like I said, we sit here today, we sit here with a great celebration for, you know, two guys that uh, really enjoy uh, playing in Queens, enjoy New York. So don't ever, people don't ever get that wrong. We enjoy playing in New York and Queens. It was one of the greatest gifts that was given to me and also him because we got the experience and it was nothing like it. Next question is from Bill Ladson. Uh, Daryl, uh, could you tell us uh, your best moment as a Met? Same for you, Doc. Yeah, I can tell you my best moment was... Um, 1986, you know, when we clinched the division, the Eastern Division, because you had to win the division back then. And we clinched at home. Um, we had such a big lead. We went into, I think, we went into Philly. We got swept. We went into St. Louis and got swept. And that left us coming back home to play. And Doc was on the mound. And we would go on to beat the Cubs that night. And when that ground ball was hit the second base and Wally threw it to Keith, and the way the fans poured onto that field, I went straight through the bullpen. I didn't run in. That's that's what I always dreamed of. That moment there. That you know, I've done a lot of things, you know, uh, from my own personal standpoint. But that moment there was a, like the biggest moment in my baseball career because I had always watched that on television and saw other teams, and then you see the other teams in the dugout that would lose uh, the playoff game, the series. And they'd be in tears over on the other side. But to be able to clinch that division at home and have the fans come on the field and celebrate that with them, that's one of the most incredible moments in my career. I mean, I still get chills when I think about it. And it's just all in my head how they just rushed the field. And not only did they rush the field, they tore that field up. <laughs> and Dwight? For me, Daryl basically stole it. That was mine too. If I can hear a couple, um, I think. One of the moments when, when David told me in spring training I made the team and showed him over my dad and hugged my dad. I never seen my dad cry before. You see, two in his eyes because initially it was his dream that became my dream. I would say that one, and then if I can just say another one, it would be the same one. Being on the mound or we beat Chicago Cubs and Chico Walker hit the ground ball to Wally because obviously I wanted to strike out. But having the fans on the field, 
and to share that moment with the New York fans as we came so close the year before, won 98 games, they had to go home. The Cardinals won the division, and then the comeback that makes sure to win it, and obviously the World Series. So I gave you three, but if I had to pick one, I'll be the same one I mentioned. Being on the mound for that last out, and I'll enjoy that moment. It was scary, but fun at the same time with all the fans running on the field. Thanks. Next question is from Dan Bartels. Doc and Daryl, congratulations to the both of you once again. You both had the fortunate honor of playing on a lot of the teams with up and down expectations along the way throughout your careers. For this 2024 New York Mets team that certainly has up and down expectations of their own, could you guys just provide some, you know, encouragement to them? And what do you expect to see out of them moving forward this year as well? Oh, I just think my hope when they get down to spring training, you know, you got new people in the front office and you're going in a new direction. Um, just, just come together, come together as a group. Um, leave the noise outside the clubhouse, um, leave the noise off of the social media and, and really just focus on who you guys are, your identity of who you are as a team. I think that was real important for us after um, losing in 85. Like Doc said, we won 98 games and we ended up losing the division to the Cardinals. And I just remember our locker room after we lost, that locker room was quiet. And I just remember and thinking, uh, we all were thinking nobody's going to ever do this to us again. And we came to spring training in 86. And our first meeting with Davey, Davey said, we're going to win it all. Right. And we just kind of looked around and thought to ourselves, yeah, we're going to win it all this year because we have everything that we need. <laughs> and we put the pieces together. We didn't get off to a good start, you know, uh, right away. And everybody was questioning, and the media was questioning. But once we got rolling, we took off because, you know what, we gelled together and our chemistry was so important. And people say, well, chemistry is not important. Chemistry is important for a baseball team. For you to be able to have players to understand their roles, the, you know, the players that are not playing every day, they have a role for the team and they play it and they know how to do it well. And that's what we had. And our starters are going to be our starters. We had to perform at the highest level. And that's something we did because we gelled together and realized that uh, we just can't let anybody interfere what we're trying to accomplish this year. And we went on to be able to accomplish it. It wasn't easy. It was a tough, tough task. You know, we had to get through that time series in, in Houston and then being down and we battled back, you know. But that's the kind of team we had that whole year. So if this team can, you know, have that kind of personality about themselves and 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 don't let anybody else get in that their way of that they could be successful. And for you, Dwight? Yeah, I feel like the team is close. They're real close. And like Daryl said, you got to have a chemistry. You got to be close because you're spending more time with your teammates than you are with your family. And you have to come together as one. All egos got to be aside. You got to have one common goal, and that's about winning. Because if they need the experience to win in New York with those fans behind them, it's no better feeling. When in New York, it's nothing close. I mean, one other side in the Bronx was fine. Um, I was in Cleveland, I was but nothing better than winning in Queens. I'm getting a taste of that, but I think it all got to be together. I like to see teams spend, I know things are different now, it's a different era, spending more time together, coming together, because you have to be close. Whether you like guys or not, all that stuff goes wayside when you put the uniform on, because everybody got to be on the same page. Everybody got to be in for that one common goal, and that's to win. Do whatever it takes to be successful. You got to hold each other accountable. And you got to mean that. Um, don't be afraid to get in somebody's face if you have to. 
and make it all work. And there's all one common goal. And the team that's in that clubhouse, they have to stick together and they have to believe in themselves. But you got great ownership behind you, fans are behind you. Obviously, the media is going to be tough. And I think always say a player is coming to New York. If you have a bad game and you get bold, they're not necessarily booing you as the individual. They're booing your performance. You know if your performance is bad or not, but being able to be tough enough and forget about that tomorrow's a new day. Having some teammates, veteran guys got to step up and hold each other accountable. Mark Roseman's next. Hey, Doc. Hey, Straw. Thanks so much for doing this. Congratulations. Always great seeing you guys. You touched on one game, both of you. It was your, your highlight moment. But you take a look at that team, and, and probably not a better testament is the fact that if you just say the word Mex, kid, Ojo, Straw, Nails, Mookie, you know, all one-name words, everyone gets it. Uh, those teams, you know, whether it be uh, the July 4th game, you know, destroy your moonshots at the Olympic Stadium, knocking out light bulbs, uh, Dwight, the K-Corner, over and above that one game that you both mentioned, what was your defining moment as a team for the, the, those Met teams that you played on? Well, the defining moment as a team was the ultimate goal was to win. And, and, and we did that. Um when you when you gather a team together like we did after the 85 season and coming to the 86 year and have guys like Ray Knight and Hernandez Carter uh, be the real cornerstone for us because they were, you know, they were the great leaders that we needed because all of you, what people don't understand, all the rest of us was young. So just like Doc was saying, you, your veteran players have to be able to rise up to help the younger players. You know, help the younger players to understand what it's like and what it takes, uh, what it takes to win. It's not easy to win when you play in a place like New York, you know, because the demand is high. And if you if you can't um, if you can't filter things out, uh, you're gonna let a, you're gonna let a lot of things worry you. And and I think that's what uh, made us so great. You know, it made us so great to you know be able to hold each other accountable and we can we can challenge each other it's not like we got in each other face where we needed to fight you know if kid needed to say something about the doc about this or he needs to say something keith needs to say something ray needs to say something they say it and you receive it and and that's that's what has to be acceptable in the clubhouse to, to make this work and i think a lot of times they don't a lot of times teams don't get nowhere they can be more, more most talented team, but they don't get nowhere because everybody's going in their own direction. And I think what, what made us special is what we were all on the same page and we had one thing in common and that was to win. And when you have that kind of attitude, it's usually going to play out on the field and the results are going to be great if you have that kind of compassion and understanding about each other. And for you, Dwight? For me, it was basically what Downward just said. I did know everything he said. And we, like I say, holding each other accountable. And with our team, we had the veterans there. And on the road, a lot of us hang out together. Like you have a 25-man roster. You go on the road, you check in the hotel, you call your wife, you call your girlfriend. And then at least 20 of us meet back downstairs to go eat together, hit the town together. That's just the way it was. Somebody got a line. You know, hear about it on the bus or the plane, the back of the plane or whatever. But we kept everything in-house. Everything you know that went on, kept in the house. Not everybody got along, but you wouldn't know that. A brawl, fight broke out, everybody was out there. 
But we kept everything in house and to have Frank Cashin at the top and David Johnson putting that team together and dealing with the different um, egos and, you know, attitude that I have you. I mean, a lot of different, maybe, there's a lot of different attitudes, a lot of egos you had to go with. They brought all together. Yeah. We all only had one common goal, like Darryl mentioned. That's what made it very, very special. Thank you, uh, gentlemen, uh, very uh, much. Uh, once a, a reminder, once again, on Sunday, April 14th, Dwight Gooden's number 16 will be raised to the city field rafters, forever retired in a game in a ceremony versus Kansas City. And on Saturday, June 1st, Daryl Strawberry's number 18 will be retired forever uh, in a game versus Arizona. Once again, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Eden. Thanks, you guys.